Do you think it'd be odd if you asked for nipple clamps and you need a third? <laughs> you could tell them you're into animal husbandry. I think platypus have three teats. Teats is how they're referred to, <laughs> Emma. <laughs> <laughs> There. Welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in sunny and beautiful Santa Cruz, California. We are back, babies. Oh, we, we are. are. Back. We're back, we're front, we're left, we're right, the, we're up fact, and down. The garage was full today. It was. Mm-hmm. It was just like the old days. It was very nostalgic. It was. Hey, everyone, this is Liza. And we're going to have a short, shorter episode for you today because we went to the quail yesterday, did some interviews. So I've got uh, Emma here. Hello. And Naked Jim. Hey, hey, hey. And we're just going to kind of tell a couple more stories from <laughs> the quail. Another good weekend, but more so I think we're just uh, drunk with happiness because what a great day. So many people came to the garage. We had listeners dropping by from all over. We met new people. Uh, there were bikes here. I got to... Fist bump Freya because she had a, a jujitsu competition and she made a little boy cry and I could not be more in proud front of, of his mom. <laughs> well done, Freya. It's our extended family. Yes, I know, and it keeps growing. <clears throat> our extended family runs into thousands because you know what? If you're listening to this right now, you're a misfit. <laughs> There's no hiding it. It was Just an active day in the garage, though. It was it's lovely. Great. And quite the quite the misfitting mix of bikes. I was telling Liza a little while ago, I look up at one point, we were inside the garage, and I look out, and there had to be at, a, at any given time, you know, 12 to 15 or more bikes, and, uh, and an eclectic mix. But I think, Emma, you were on Mike's new race bike, Freya's race bike, the Italian. We'll talk oh, about that more a, later, I'm sure. Bike. Yeah, yes. pocket bike. But, it, but it's a proper seven-year-old gp yeah. bike and then i think mike was doing a wheelie on his little other pit bike right the right which i'd just done the carburetor on so i'd given him lots of horsepower yeah. yeah charlie's got his his track bike apart there's a ducati desert x over there there's a chopper there's a cretans clapped out 400 cc vintage race bike brand new ducati desert x yeah, yeah. everything a bit of everything no but, we and i mean supermotos of course the the misfits are very inclusive. We don't care what you ride; just bring it in. Did you were you here though for the uh, the report on uh, somebody who who said, oh, "Oh yeah, he knows about us, but he doesn't come hang out at the garage." Did you hear why? No. Uh, this is a, a friend of a friend. Somebody said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I know about the garage." No, they're just they're too into like sport bikes, and they're not really into like cutting stuff up. <laughs> And we're hearing this and going like, yeah, no. When I came in this morning, I believe you were custom fabricating, (laughs) (laughs) as a matter of fact. I'm like, wow, I think somebody dropped by once for like 30 minutes, maybe when people were working on track bikes and just summed it up and never came back. And I just thought that was kind of amusing because- like they're, they're lost. I said, right. uh, when I got here, you were moving to a larger grinding tool. So yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you rolled it. You uh, had a client's Harley Davidson. Very tough looking bike. Yeah, it's great, wasn't it? Well, you know, it's it's um, poor guy. He'd left it outside um, through no fault of his own. I mean, California real estate is so expensive. If you're if you're just getting into the housing market, there's no way you can afford a house with a garage. 
Um, and so his price, Harley Davidson, had been sitting outside through a really crappy winter and was definitely looking the worst for wear. But I tell you what, um, you can say what you want about Harleys, but with a marginal amount of work, the finish came back on that bike. Yeah, I, 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 saw, I would have never known it was uh, left outside. Yeah. It looked super clean. No, it was, God, it was ugly oh. when I picked it up. Yeah, I saw you, you had a rag on you. I think you were polishing the knob. Yeah, I was polishing the knob. Yeah. The big starter knob in the middle. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, no, um, and normally everyone will tell you, I try not to bring Mototown business to the recycle garage and vice versa. But it just is Santa Cruz guy. It's so easy. He wanted me to bring it over. And I said, like, that's fine. Um and so uh, another happy customer. Yeah, yeah, fun day though. Lots of bikes. Yeah, it's brilliant. Silly well, stuff going on. And uh, I worked on the Amigo. Ah, El Gran Amigo. Amigo, Amigo. Yeah, amigo, took the amigo. went through went through the entire fuel system. Well, you were waiting for a top bridge, aren't you? Waiting for a top bridge. Oh yes, 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 for the handlebars. Waiting on that, but went through the fuel system because right. that keeps crapping out. And Emma had a, a guess what it might be because it was clogging up. Two fuel filters so far, and with a reddish, you know, orangish yeah, something, yeah, yeah. which looked like rust, but it just didn't make sense on a brand new bike. And when I took the tank out, it was cleanish in there. But you had a thought that maybe they lined it with something. Yeah, I mean, either lined it or it was like a preservative. It was, it maybe was a like a wax preservative, and of course, it reacted with the fuel and gummed everything up. Um, but you got it out now, and it. Appears to be flowing. Did you ream the hole? Now I just blew on it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I just blew it. Um, so yeah, it's it's coming back together. One curious thing about the Amigo, not to pick on it, but uh, Ellie. Oh, Ellie and her sign. We should mention that. Yes, that was brilliant. But before that, Ellie was cleaning the carb for you, and she went to take the bowl off, and they had taken the. How, what do you think they did with the bolts? So the bolts, we couldn't yeah. figure. It almost looked like it was riveted the bowl to the rest of the carburetor because there was a rounded head it looked like they were four millimeter screws with a round not hex head a round head oh there's probably shear bolts it's probably shear bolts and what shear bolts are you find them quite often holding ignition switches on um Mm. and steering locks on and they're designed that when you put the bolt in when you torque it to spec the head breaks off and so they've become tamper-proof. Never seen one on a carb. But well, is it is it tamper-proof or like a monkey with an air tool could just bip, 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 put a hundred of them together in an hour, right? Well, well a bit of both. A set of pliers. Sorry, <laughs> well, but one. what I will say is we, so it's a rounded bolt with no tool made for it. So we, we used the vamp pliers yeah. for the first time. So this is something I found a while back. I think it was an Ari Henning thing. So these are pliers you can find online, vamp pliers, like the, like the, the monster. Um, but they're made for gripping rounded off bolts and things like that. And it worked like a charm. So we used those and we're unscrewed the whatever bolts they are. Right. And uh, tra-la-la, cleaned out the car. Right. Yeah, so it's it's one step closer. <laughs> one step closer, but we'll see. <laughs> it's just interesting. The curiosities keep coming. We'll see. But let's get to um, what we did. This has mm. been three weeks on a row of events. Yeah. A rally that was... Uh, just out of the I'm going to be honest with you, Liza. I'm beat. Are you? You guys are like on the circuit. You're seeing vendors at the tents like, hey, hey. Well, <laughs> you're and, then, and then we had the one show last weekend and this weekend the quail. At least we got to sleep in our own beds this time. Right. 
and uh, you know, local and see a lot of friends. Uh, now we get we get a break next week, uh, but July is going to be big too. But, yeah, but at least the quails in our backyard, which is nice. Right, it's a, it's our local show, and as exclusive as it is. And they, it could, they still let us in, at it, least this year. And it couldn't be more opposite from the one show. Um, and I'm right. thrilled they're so close together because they are so different. But it's our local show. And my attitude with the quail is exactly the same as my attitude with the one show. It's one thing going, but it's another thing actually being part of it and supporting it. And so that's that's why I always make sure that the Mototown slash... Law Tigers, rawr, tent is on the lawn every year. Yeah, and this is a concourse de elegance. I mean, these are some of the nicest bikes from restos to customs. But you know what? It is similar to the one show in that anything goes there. You're going to have scooters. You're going to have mini bikes. You're going to have production choppers. bikes, race bikes. Right. Choppers, yeah. Works, works of art. Yeah. Exactly. And in the defense of the organizers... They have become a lot more eclectic over the years. You know, if you'd have gone to the Quail 20 years ago, um, well, actually, it didn't exist, didn't 20, exist years. 20 years ago. No, it, it, it was born out of Legend of the Motorcycle, right. which was 2007. Which was it? born out of the art of the motorcycle. Right. So, very Brit-heavy, very uh, European-heavy. Very much the emphasis was on concourse quality restorations. Yeah. Um, and over the years, they have become a lot more eclectic, um, which is great. We like that. Yeah. And in fact, there was a bike that was at both both events and it fit in at both events. Really? Yeah. The, uh, the combat, the wraith. Oh, God. Yeah, of course. I didn't think about that. Yeah, in fact, uh, we did some interviews there, and uh, as soon as we wrap up with this, we're going to go to the interviews, and John and I interviewed him uh, about that that bike that I saw at the one show and at the Quail, and it was really interesting that it would fit in both. One's in an old shipyard, and the other one is on a golf course golf course in Carmel. Go figure. But um, the the it started out, though, with the, the hesitation – and worry because it was raining. Gosh, that rain came back. Nobody has sympathy for us. I get it. <laughs> but you know what? Undetoured, I, I messaged Jim quite early in the morning. I'm like, we're riding or driving. The only concern is we didn't have a dry building to go into if we got wet on the way down. Of course, they said ride. And he's like, ride. I'm like, answer. I'm in. I already had my rain gear ready to go. We suited up. And it just happened to be that by the time we started riding, the rain stopped. Yeah, it turned mm-hmm. out to be beautiful. Right yeah. And you know, it didn't even rain out there. No, it was, so, I, I was all bundled up next thing I'm in a t-shirt. <laughs> my, um, my partner in crime was uh, Matt from Breaking Away Motorcycle Adventures. And we met at the Cowgirl Cafe, mm-hmm. which is um, right there in Carmel Valley at 7 a.m. with a game plan. We did the majority of the setup on Friday night. Got the bikes and the tent out there, but basically, you know, everything was um, needing to get set up. Then we met at 7 a.m. It's glorious sunshine, and the temperature by 8 o'clock, when we were actually yeah. on the on the lawn, really getting ourselves together, the temperature was great. And then it kind of got progressively more cloudy as the day went on, but it didn't rain. 
at all. No, it was nice. And you know what? I was talking about how the last, uh, you know, the one show we have, how we have it dialed in, which makes it just really fun. And we right. get to, you know, make it more comfortable the and fun for, lounge. for the other misfits. <laughs> well, first of all, the location for your tent. So you shared a tent with Law Tigers. Rawr. Like the third tent in from the entrance or something. Oh, it's perfect. So you're right there. And uh, you you were you true to form. You had your gin and tonics. Well, and boy, that was a big hit. It was a crowd pleaser, wasn't it? Yeah. I would like to say. You know, this association I've got with Law Tigers is great because, I mean, Law Tigers, they're, they're just attorneys and they're always looking for a way of gaining legitimacy in the motorcycle industry. And by partnering with motorbike shops, um, particularly, you know, smaller bike shops with a certain kind of quirky reputation, it gives them a certain edginess and legitimacy in the biker community. That's what's in it for them. But what's in it for me? I am a rinky-dink little 800-square-foot <laughs> yeah. bike shop. I don't have any right to have a tent on the lawn at the Quail, but there I am. Larger than life, serving gin and tonics to whoever asks for one. Because there was a secret password to get one, which was, can I have a gin and tonic, please? Um, and the please had to be there. I heard somebody say, can I have a gin and tonic? And you just no. gave them the look. Uh, they got the shriveling look and they figured it out. No, Nobody went without a gin and tonic. And um, I would like to say mine was probably the most popular tent there. I, I think yeah. other than the Marinis that was giving away free ice cream, yeah, I think the Mototown Law yes. Tigers tent was the the hip happening spot. Yeah, it was the happening spot. We, yeah. we yeah, we had certainly had a we had a more adult audience. Well, than, also if you went out the back entrance, you found your way into the Gorilla Lounge. Yes, where exactly. It got a little more fun where you could sleep off the gin and tonics. <laughs> But, you know, we, we learned from the garage, put out chairs and people will stay. Right. And we've now have the bag, the giant duffel bag of chairs, which thank you, Emma, for tra tra taking all these events. And the chairs came out and we set up the Misfits Lounge. Hey, I've just had a thought. The, the Wraith wasn't the only machine that was at the one show and the Quail and Fit In. What was the other? King Kong. Well... <laughs> <laughs> if you count the parking lot. <laughs> hey, King Kong held his own in both parking lots. Mm. Actually, I've got to tell you. So I, I pull in. They've got vendor parking. And I pull in to the vendor parking. And there's this lovely young guy who's obviously part of the golf golfing um, staff. And he says, oh, God, he said, that's a bit big. Can you park over there? And I said, sure. So I pull over there and immediately sink to the axles in mud. <laughs> no. And he goes, oops. Oh, I forgot we wash our golf carts there. Oh, oh and my. so, you know, between me and Matt, we got the truck out. And it's like, Jesus. Jesus. So in the end, I just parked on the street and he was happy with that. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what a great event. Though. Yeah, a lot. Like the, the variety of bikes was great. You yeah. know what I mean? Everything from the the classics. There was there were so many like customy custom bikes. Like not I chopped this up and did it. Although they had choppers, like work of art bikes from real sleek, well, sleek and fast to big and funky. Well, you'll you'll hear me repeat this in one of the interviews, and I, you know I stand by it because it is it, it it's it's a very very true statement. Is 
a motorcycle is a very, very different vehicle than a car. You know, you can customize a car, but it hides everything on the inside. And you can have an absolutely drop-dead gorgeous car with really quite feeble underpinnings. And I'll stand by that. You know, back in the 1930s and 40s, there were cars called Delahays. And Delahays regularly win the oh, Pebble Beach Concord Elegant. I think you're saying that wrong. It's Delahay. Yeah, right. <laughs> they're very flamboyant. They're very, very art deco. They're absolutely drop-dead gorgeous cars. But they just really na- nasty pre-war, super feeble underpinnings. Can't get away with that on a bike. Oh, this looks like something Roger Rabbit would would uh, drive yeah. around in. Right. But um, a motorcycle is there. You see everything. And it's a lot more tangible, a motorcycle. You can touch it. You can smell it. You know, it's right there. Um, and it's this, this link between the art of designing a good motorcycle and the function of it. It's so delicious. I love it. Well, and I actually wonder, there are some of the bikes that I look at and I'm like, uh, there's a point that art supersedes the function. Oh, sure. And the craftsmanship is there. And some of these are award-winning bikes. They're absolutely beautiful. Will they ever be ridden is the question. And it's, it's hard to really, like, you have to adjust your mind to really appreciate that. Yeah, there, there are definitely some um, industrial art bikes, but there's also bikes that are so interesting. I'm going to let Emma describe this, what's going on here, but this is a, a purpose-built bike that's that's ridden and raced at the amateur level. It's a dirt scrambler type oh, bike, yeah. um, but I'll let, I'll let Emma describe it, but I think it's like a another creation, but this thing you know runs and goes. This is the one that started life as a I think a Buell, Buell slash right. sportster. Yeah. So yeah. this is this is a larger capacity dirt bike. It would have to be quite a strong person to ride in. And it is. It's a Buell slash um Harley Sportster engine. Um be- absolutely beautiful beautifully made. In I'm not gonna say purely dirt bike because I'm looking at the tires. I mean it's more an adventure chassis. I thought it was more like a flat tracker. Yeah, it's almost got it. It covers a lot of bases, a lot of polished aluminum, bright orange frame, um, lot. It just drop dead gorgeous, but big. It is a big bike. I remember standing next to this thing. Did you notice the the switches on the side? Yes. So talk about the extras on this thing. Well, there's so many. Um, so it's a big kind of it's a big scrambler dirt adventure looking bike. It's a big scrambler dirt adventure bike. It's got lovely Olin shocks on it, lovely polished aluminum tank, fenders, wheels, forks, mostly oh, engine. It's, it's all hand shaped aluminum. All hand shaped aluminum. It looks like it's turboed. Turboed and nitrous oxide. Nitrous oxide. Turbo and nitrous oxide. And it's got these four knife switches on the side so you can reach down and flip things on. Yeah, and the, so the guy that built it is a big guy and races it at uh, AMA District Thirty Six events, and he also used to be a hill climber. And he's like, you know what? You could if you added a few inches on the swing arm on this thing and put a chain on the rear tire, it would be a bitchin' hill climber. Oh, it's a monster. but the turbo nitrous, you know, racing dirt bike. I think it's, it's that's where kind of art and function for me kind of they meet right in the middle. It's not too much of the other, right. And then you, I mean, in the past, in the recent past, you know, they've had art bikes out there that actually do run, 
but are just so impractical. I remember the BMW is the obvious one. They had um, it was it was a theoretically it was a street bike, but it was a streamliner, um, and you sat astride it, and the handlebars kind of came out of either side of the bodywork. Very low, very long, cigar shaped. But you know, you had to do about a ten point turn just to turn it around. And I think the same was true with that copper bike. Well, actually, stay tuned because Jim got an interview with that builder. Do you remember his 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 name? Was it Keith? <clears throat> I think yeah, Keith. Yeah, from uh, from here from yeah, he's, Creek. he's up in the uh, up in the mountains. Yeah, crazy dude. The bike was pretty amazing. The only original, the only original motorcycle bicycle part on it was the engine. CB five fifty, I think, uh, engine and then maybe chopper wheels. <laughs> yeah, Other than that, that, it was, was crazy. all hand built. Um, you know, another highlight for me was um, so Craig and Carol Vetter showed up. Yeah, and and, and Craig has to show up in a in a golf cart because he can't walk very well anymore since his accident. He's got a leg brace and a, and a little walker. And remember, we we so another interview Emma and I did with the the lovely people from the Haas Museum. Absolutely. Well, they had this bike with a sidecar that was built as a Bonneville racer and it's all hand-shaped aluminum by uh, Craig Rodsmith, I believe. Right. And Craig Vetter got out of his golf cart and said, I want to meet that guy. And he went and got on the bike, sat on the bike. Now it's got a sidecar. So it was so cool to see Craig Vetter just, just well, go you know, like he's back on the bike in a racing uh, yeah, position. Uh, like yeah, you could thing. see it. And so Craig sat on this bike and you could see about 30 cameras all would just all these cameras were focused on craig Look, sitting on this bike he's down in the race yeah. position yeah, yeah, yeah he was awesome. just digging it like that's just the, the natural position for him you know from his racing background right so that was really cool and then another highlight was uh, we just happened to be there when um wayne rainey was uh with his first race bike so what was that? It was a little, a smaller CC. I think it was the Yamaha tracker. sixty. It's, yeah, it's a little sixty, and his dad, uh, his dad built it for him. It was his first race bike, and they pulled it out of a, a garage and kind of restored it and polished it up and got it running again. Very proper. And it's so there was all of like Wayne's race bikes throughout his history. A bunch of these race bikes there, right? But we just happened to be there while while Wayne was there and got a great picture of him with it. So that was cool. And you know, and that's a thing too. We always talk about why we love the quail, the access. Oh, absolutely. There's people who flew in on jets there. There's people who are, you know, in the AMA Hall of Fame and you can walk up to any of, of them and have a conversation. Nobody's behind any velvet ropes. We're all right. the same there, you well, know? We were talking about that and you have to help me with uh, uh McCarthy's new bike. What did McCarthy just bought? Oh, up? the Z Rex. Mike McCarthy's bought the most Gorgeous Kawasaki Z-Rex 1200. In the yeah. purple. But anyway, I guess uh, at one point, Corbin made beetle bags for it, little side cases. And I saw the picture, and just beautiful, the way they mold into the bike, almost camouflage into it. <clears throat> and uh, McCarthy was like, oh, man, if I could find a set of those. But he scoured the internet. He can't find them. And I'm sure if he did, it'd be really expensive. So we're at the thing, and I'm like, well, dude, Corbin's right there. Let's go ask him. And he walked up to Mike and he said, hey, this is what I just picked up. And Mike's like, yeah, I remember that. We used to make them. So he talked to Julio. Um, and Julio is the guy, if you've ever had a seat shaped, more than likely Julio He's did your shape in the last 20 years. Yeah, he probably shaped your seat. And they started having a conversation back and forth. And then Julio ended up giving Mike his contact info. 
and they're going to check. So, I mean, what a cool event that you can go up to Mike Corbin and, you know, one of his right-hand people and say, do you have it? And they said, well, we'll look around the factory and let you know. And it's all about the moles. If they can find the moles, they'll make Mike a pair of beetle bags. Yeah. <clears throat> and the the only thing, the only down downside of the event this year that was a bit of a disappointment is it was like half the amount of vendors, half the amount of bikes, and, and half the amount of people attending, which, I mean, people are saying it's just a reflection of what's going on in the economy and the industry right now, which was it was sad to see that. But it was also cool that, that Gordon still maintained that same level of excellence. The, the show didn't come down. Just there was less of it. So he had to you know, cut everything back. But it's still such a, a high, cal- high caliber event. Right. And I don't necessarily buy into the whole you know, economy being in the toilet thing as to why it was small. Uh, um. And I don't think we should focus on that. It's still a great show. Yeah. It's still amazing quality. It's it's the only one of its kind in the world. There's nothing like the quail anywhere else in the world. Um, and I, truthfully, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, let's do a Misfits um, ride to the quail next year and invite listeners. If you want to come out and get camping out here, and we can, you know, we can do a an on on mass ride to the quail. I mean, Moto Town, Moto Town tent is going to be there again. Yeah, the Gorilla Lounge will be there again, and I guarantee there'll be misfits there again. So come down, have some fun with us at the quail. Oh, oh, and Emma, I forgot to tell you. Yes, darling. So when John and I were talking to uh, the guys over at Combat Motors, they make the big wraith. You mean Hotshot? Yeah, yeah, Stumpy John. Um, I said, so what what style of bike do you call this? This big, mean, custom, you know, S&S-powered thing. And he's like, well, it's, you know, it's like an industrial, custom. Da, da, right. da. And I said, let me, th- let me toss something out at you. Muscle Cafe. And he went, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey. What do you mean, hey? You think you can have the only one? I'm just saying. I, I've got the only one. No, you don't. I'm just saying it was. I just love the that, original that Muscle Cafe. Muscle Cafe might be catching. Mm-hmm. There are bikes that are Muscle Cafes. Well, you know, it's lofty company for me. <laughs> so um, there, there was a, a slight mishap. I got involved with. Oh there. God, <laughs> you're gonna copy. And this? I swear, I don't know what it is with Rich. Is he breaks stuff? <laughs> you know, and wow, you threw out a name. Well, we don't well, know no, it's a, it, okay. we that we don't do last names here. Okay, but yeah, Rich breaks shit. So I'll just share because Jim got video and he was trying to like he was trying to implement can, me in this. Can I see the video, so I, Jim? So I want to share. Oh, my yeah, she story. tries to play it off. I think the video says it all. Jim, you were there with me. You know the truth. What happened? So what happens is uh, all these bikes are lined up, you know, on um, on the lawn, and as the judges go around and judging them, they inform people to that they're going to be getting an award, so they need to go down and line their bikes up for the stage where they will be presented their awards. So there's a a point in the day where all these bikes are being wheeled over and lined up in a line, and a lot of people are gathering because this is going to be cool and everyone wants to see what's going on. And Jim and I were just walking past, you know, through through the crowd, and I noticed uh, somebody who we know um, next to a very nice 
custom bike. I'm not even sure how to describe it. It's almost like a custom vintage looking thing. Well, it was, the whole thing looked like it was chrome, all like stainless steel yeah. or aluminum or something. Very funky, drooped down handlebars that came to a point. You know, you know, not not something you could really ride. It was more of like a piece of art bike. And he did you see it? He touched a handlebar and it fell off. <laughs> so it's not one handlebar that goes across they're individually each handlebar is welded onto the the triple right on this really sleek custom bike and everything's thrown out so he touches it and it falls off and i noticed that where it was welded the welds are broken and somebody had used packing tape clear tape and they kind of taped it back on oh god and so it's just dangling and i'm like oh i th- i thought like this was Rich's bike or or another friend of ours bike or somebody, right? So I'm like, oh, um, well, Corbin's right there. I'll run over, see if I can get some tape. Let's tape it up before it gets called up onto the stage. And what, was, what was funny, you're walking away from Corbin's thing after getting the tape and uh, Julio calls out. He goes, hey, I didn't know you had a Harley. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> handlebar tape broke off. I it. need some, some, uh, <laughs> some tape. So they gave me some electrical tape and I go over there and I hand it to, to Rich and we're just kind of trying to, tape put tape around the bars and try and tape them on they're kind of drooping we have to put more tape on and try and support it and i'm like so so is this is this one of your bikes and he's like no i don't know whose it is i'm like oh wait a minute now i don't want to be implemented in this i want to get out of here now and Jim's like, that's why he's mocking me. Because <laughs> I'm like, whoa, am, yeah. whoa. No, you were just trying to help. This yeah. became a dangerous situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gosh. Don't yeah. be touching bikes. So well, they- it turned out later that the bike had been displayed on the lawn and had fallen over and the, the handlebar broke off. And they literally just used packing tape just to hold it on just so it could make it on the stage. But yeah, then Rich touched it. But uh, that was just like this, like this, oh no moment, you know? Oh God. I know. I know. But, um, I'm trying to think, uh, oh, also, um, met, um, a listener, uh, Clay. Yes. Who told us about his new business, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And you know, a little bit of a shout out to Clay. We met Clay a few years ago. Um, he's very, very into his CB 750s. He's got a very, very nice. Yeah. Three, I want to say. Uh, he's, K- told, he's got a big collection. Yeah, of but old you know, I, I we met him. He had a K two or a K three. Really nice cat. Um, and he started. He's trying to get this new business off the ground, and it's very, very early days. And it's an auction site, and um, it's kind of like bring a trailer, but it's for everyone, and that's what attracted me. Because, you know, bring a trailer is quite expensive and there is quite a waiting list to get on and so on and so forth. So you tend to get more expensive vehicles. I like the idea of being an auction site just for every person's bike because misfits are inclusive. Yeah, so it's it's just starting out. If you're interested in trying out an alternative to bring a trailer, check out motonexus.com, any X-U-S. And, uh, yeah, be a part of a new thing. He's just starting out. So rather than get him on and promote this thing that is really very, very small, we've actually said, hey, listen, we'll give you a holler, get it going, get some traction behind it, and then we'll get you on the show and see what we can run with it. So um, 
you can listen out for Clay in the future. But he's he's a solid guy. He's a nice guy. And I really want to see him do well with this. Because we've all been stuck in that Craigslist hell where we want to sell our bike and you post it on Craigslist with the best intentions and people call and don't show or nobody calls or somebody <clears throat> calls up and their sanity is kind of questionable and you're frightened for your cat and your house and God knows what. So, you know, hopefully it'll take away all of that. So here's something funny that I spotted. So um, a lot of um, a lot of really nice clean bikes, a lot of Roland Sands designs bikes, all sorts of things. Emma, and what is this? Um, I know you know the name. I forget the name of this BMW. I know they have one. Um, I've seen them in museums that. Oh, the K1. Yeah, the K1. That's a really interesting. Now, you talk about having beetle bags on. Those got the world's smallest saddlebags. I have never seen an orange K1, though. So, I mean, you get a lot of really interesting, yes. unique bikes. And then did you see what was right in front of the K1? Yeah, uh, uh, Janus. <laughs> Janus 450. <laughs> and what I thought is so funny is I think a lot of people don't realize what a Janus is. Because it is a cool-looking, vintage-style I will never bike. forget the guys from Janus. Mm-hmm. at AMA Vintage Days, flat-tracking, brand new. <laughs> yeah. Is it Janus's or Jani? Janus. <laughs> yeah. Janus. But they were pounding these things around the flat track. And, I mean, that's legit. Um, but, yeah, Janus. I, I didn't even realize they were still in business. Oh, yeah, yeah. Goshen, Indiana. Um, but uh, just so funny that that's on the Concourse d'Elegance as a Janus 450. I mean, just uh, just a prime example and Emma, I've never heard of this. A Miller? No, I'd never seen one either. I mean, there's, you know, I don't know every bike. Yeah. But I tell you what, I tell you what the highlight was for me. Yeah. wasn't even in the show. Um, it was outside at the Bringer Trailer oh. <laughs> um, event. They had a Bomberland. And I tell you what, you don't see those things very often. Mm. There's one of Bubba Schobert's race bikes. Yeah, Bubba was there. And Bubba was there, yeah. Yeah, so, Bubba was indeed there. Again, and oh, yeah, I'm sure you like that one. Of course I do. Oh, and so here's the the combat. Tell me that's not a muscle cafe. That is a muscle cafe. There you go, muscle cafe. Now, Liza, you're showing me you're showing me all these pictures on your phone. I'm not sure how well this, this translates to a podcast. Well, uh, yes, I know. Well, it was one of the early Jixers. Is that what you were showing? Oh, yeah, yeah, early Jixers. What a great, great a event. slabby. So Jixxers, yeah, Jixxers come in slabbies. And my favorite is the next generation, which were the slingshots. And the slingshots came in in 80. The slabbies were 87, 88. Are those still the K motors? What, is that what they call them? The- yes. And, yeah. then, and then the slingshots came in in 89. Oh, God, those slingshots are so hot handsome and i think they were 89 1991 well what do you say we get to the interviews yeah let's yeah. say yes because they're jolly interesting yeah i i enjoyed your interview yes uh from the haas museum that i never heard of in dallas texas they had that really cool bike i i thought it was one of the most interesting bikes there anyway let's let's get to those interviews enjoy these and uh Let's look forward to next year. Come and join us. Oh, heck yeah. (laughs) 
Okay, so here we are. We're going to entitle this the continuing series of interviews, Misfits Goes Posh. <laughs> We're on the lawn at the Quail. Yes. And, I think, you know, my impression is 23 is a little bit smaller than 22. What I'm enjoying the most is just the diversity of bikes this year. And there are some pretty strange bikes out there on the field. Which brings us to our two guests. We are with Stacy and Sparky. Tell us who you're representing today. We're here with the Haas Motor Museum in Dallas, Texas. I can absolutely assure you there are no stranger bikes <laughs> out there on the lawn than the collection they've brought. So um, let's start with you, Stacy. What is your role in the museum? I'm the director of the museum. Bobby and I were partners, but unfortunately we lost him in September of 21. Well, I hope you find him again. Well, so do I, but he's actually right here. You just don't see him. Okay, Aww. very good. Um, he's still with us, but we are we are getting out in the public and taking a piece of the museum out to several bike shows this year, and the quail is one of them. So the, the museum was really yours and your late partner's yes. brainchild. Yes. And uh -huh. so what was the thought behind it, just the weird and the wonderful? There had to be a vision for it. It was it was a, th a third arc for him. He was 64 when he got on his first motorcycle. Okay. Wow. And that was 10 years ago, 11 years ago now. And he just became enthralled with the idea of the moto community and, and started collecting. And we had maybe 50 bikes in the beginning and then moved into a larger space which is now the museum which has 232 motorcycles from 1899 to present but the heart of the museum is the custom bikes the custom right. builders so it's about the stories and about the people behind the bikes and you know the, the there's a commonality between the Haas and a lot of other museums that are dotted up and down the country is they start as private collections mm -hmm. and at some stage the owner has this epiphany that these bikes need to be out there in the public and yes. obviously you and, you and Scott did that. Yes. So um, let's jump to you, Sparky, because I want you to get into uh, the interview as well. Yeah. What role do you play in the museum? I'm, I'm pretty much maintain the collection for Bobby and Stacy. And I oversee everything and make sure everything stays to the pristine. So you're, you're a wrench. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, pretty much. I started out as a mechanic, a basic mechanic, and moved into the custom world. And you wear that world. with pride because I'm a wrench too. I love it. I love it, the whole world, the whole industry. And, yeah. you know, being able to lay your hands on these unique and vintage bikes, it's an amazing privilege that not everybody understands. Very rare, and, and it's a complete learning process every day. Years into it, you're still learning. So, um... I want to talk a tiny bit about what you've brought to the quail this year. In fact, I wanted to say there's a bike specifically that caught my attention. Oh, I know which one caught your attention. Not to say there aren't other bikes there that are attention getters. In fact, just on the other side of it is another custom bike that Craig Vetter himself rolled up and said, who made this bike? I want to meet him. Right. Turns out the maker is also called Craig. He's here, which you brought those. But... Let's get into the weird and, and then the wonderful. So let's talk about that particular bike. It's a motorcycle and sidecar. It's what I'd describe as a kneeler because you, you, you pretty much crouch down and kneel on yes. it. Um, how long have you had that bike in the collection and, and what is it? So you can speak. Bobby and Craig built that bike to land speed race at Bonneville. Bonnie was going to take on oh, the wow. stall. But unfortunately, Bobby passed away a few months right. before that happened. 
So we still have the bike here, and Craig is going to race it in his honor at Bonneville next year. You can speak to the mechanics of the bike. Yeah, the the power plant is a Motor Guzzi, vintage Motor Guzzi okay. motor, 1,000cc pushrod gas class. So I was going to say you're going to be in the pushrod gasoline class, one yeah. liter and below. Yeah, and with the sidecar, that changes it to a separate class altogether. Right. No passenger on the salt flats, so oh. you're riding by yourself. So you're, you don't have an actual like monkey on the side. You're, so, you're running it alone. So who chose the bike to be in the collection at the museum? Bobby commissioned it to be built by Craig. And okay. Bobby participated in the design and the, the build. And it, so it, it. It's, it's as much his bike as Craig's? Absolutely. Very much. As and are many of the customs in the shop. He commissioned Max Hazen, Craig, Jay Donovan, a lot of our, right. our and premier builders. You said, because Jay Donovan is a very, very high-profile builder right here in California. And we have three of his bikes. Yes. He made a very good name for himself doing Vincent's. You've got three. That we commissioned. Uh, yes. Yes. Which is amazing. So Bobby participated in the design of all three. We would fly out to Victoria and meet with Jay and... And do the whole planning session with him, and it was a wonderful experience to be with Jay and his family. That's fantastic. He was an artist. He was on the oh, art, absolutely. Art side of, of design. You know, the thing, I've been around motorcycles now pretty much all my adult life. I think 2023 marks my, gosh, 47th year of being around these things. And the blending of art and mechanics has always been really an intoxicating combination for me not like a car a car wears everything on the inside motorcycle it's it's right there it's tangible you can smell it you can touch it you can feel the the heat coming off it yeah and you're sitting on it and you whack the throttle open and there's a giant intake two or three inches from your knee and you can hear it sucking they're amazing things um so Let's move from the commission well, bill. Hold on. Yes. You haven't yet described this. Well, okay. Oh, the sidecar outfit. I mean, well, I mean, thing, is this is it's a, called um, Mr. Fahrenheit. Yeah, okay. So, would you this is almost like a dustbin fairing? Yeah. Aluminum handcrafted. Yeah. Completely handmade everything. Which Craig is known for. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Everything Metal by shaping, hand by and himself. That's what drew Craig Vetter in. Yeah. Because Craig Vetter has always been a craftsman and um Craig made his name making um, the Windjammer fairings mm-hmm. for Honda Goldwings back in the day. But yeah. he loves handmade aluminum stuff. So and I know why he was attracted to that bike. It doesn't matter if this is, you know, a, a doorstop or a motorcycle. This handcrafted aluminum, shaped aluminum, is beautiful. All the curves and lines and shapes in it. And that's what really, just the, that's the art, the beauty. And, and the craft Amazingly of hard show. to work, to, yeah. amazingly hard to work mm-hmm. with. Well, now I want to talk about the monstrosity. Yes. Well, um, yes. we'll we'll talk about some of the other. But I want to come to the monstrosity because it's its own thing. Um, what else have you brought on the lawn for us? We'll exclude the monstrosity for now. Um, what else have we got on the lawn right now from the collection? We have a Chicago Italian little racer. Right, and that's a small capacity bike, single. isn't it? Yeah, single cylinder. Uh, I want to say it's a 498 cc okay. beautiful beautiful bike yeah and the um the blue bike with all the bodywork on yeah, it Scott Poland yes 1929 ish yes art yeah. deco very, oh, very art deco very art deco styling the museum is very well known for our art deco collection right and I was gonna French. say that that's a, that's kind of a commonality I saw I mean design is a very very important part of all the builds in the museum, yes. isn't it? Yeah. It's a requirement. 
you'll yes. see a lot of rare bikes. A lot of people haven't heard of the brands in there. Right. You know, they're the Majestics and the uh, Ascot. There's Neander, uh, Dresch. A lot of bikes in there. A lot of people have never had a chance to put their eyes on. The nut. Right. Yeah, where, the nut. where do yeah. you find them? All over we, the world where people When we first started collecting, we have dealers around the world that would come to us. We would go to auctions, and then we eventually started going out and just meeting individual people that right. had these bikes in their collection and, and meeting individual custom builders as well. What a fun so. adventure. Oh, it's nice. I'm, I'm guessing, just like at Moto Talbot, every bike has a story that... We could get into and every bike and every story. Rob, Rob Talbot. We may have to make a trip to Dallas to come down well, and go I in depth. In de- in depth. Well, we're gonna let's talk about making a road trip. But before that, <laughs> yeah, we want to talk about the monstrosity. Let's talk about the monstrosity. That's what drew me to it. First off, it doesn't have two wheels. Let's just put that. Well, out there. I mean, it's got traction. <laughs> one we, wheel with the track. Yeah. yeah, one wheel and a track. Front wheel drive. <laughs> 1937 Mercier Moto Chanel right from France how long has it been in the collection oh got that 19 I think yeah 2019 okay (coughs) now did you go looking for it or did it come to you it came to us via an auction okay um well, not an auction. I'm sorry. A private dealer actually presented it so, to us. So, um, I, I wanted to say, when I first saw it, there are a lot of times you see people who make bike sculptures out of found objects. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was. Well, I mean, we it's got that. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And then I got up closer. I'm like, oh, wow, this is yeah. a real thing. Do you know Michael Ullman? Uh, of Austin? Uh, no, he I makes, don't. He makes motorcycle sculptures out of found objects. We have yeah. a collection of eight of them in the museum. Oh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I've seen them, and that, yeah. it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah. Um, so the but best way... rejected to... by the French Army, and you can <laughs> understand why with the exhaust where it is. So, among describe what you're looking at. So, Emma. what we're looking at here, it's a military vehicle. Yeah. Um, we can tell it's a military vehicle because it is green. Um, it is a front-wheel drive contraption. The drive for the front is provided by a very, very small tractor appliance, which is probably a driven wheel, a large idler wheel at the front, two little suspension wheels at the bottom. The engine sits immediately above that, as does the transmission and the starter. Um, and there's a kind of Some tubular of framework that <laughs> yeah. kind of looks like it's leaving its rear wheel behind a little bit. It's pretty much just there to help it. It, it looks like somebody up. welded a mini bike to a tractor. Um, yeah. And I'm like guessing. <laughs> From reading the sign, I'm guessing it was designed just to climb hills. Prototype for climbing, getting a soldier up a hill. To the fastest wow. way to, to bring a soldier. Instead of pushing, running, you know, you're, right, right, right. you're on a vehicle. And especially in muddy conditions, but it's marvelously bizarre. Had a John A. Prestwich motor in it. Yes. Which was very reliable. You They're know. very reliable, yeah. and for the day, they made very, very good power. I don't know the last time the bike ran, but when we started it, it second kick, and it was it, it, <laughs> it runs, it runs. Instagram, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah. And it's just so is, unusual. Is it rideable? And I don't mean in its current state. I mean, was it ever Yeah, it is <laughs> rideable. It would tear this wow. the, the golf course up really well out here. Wow. Yeah. I can only imagine... So, let's get to the museum. You're based in Dallas, Texas. Yes. Um, Is it open to the public? It is. Thursday through Sunday, 11 to 4. Fantastic. So, if you're in the Dallas area... um, Which we hope you will be and come visit soon. No, we're going to... We are absolutely going to visit. Because, you know, the the podcast is very much about... um, 
Stories, finding the, these stories. Stories, the oddballs, the mm -hmm. unique, the um, unusual. Well, and we are the misfits, and that's what drew me in. That is a misfit of motorcycles. Mm -hmm. Right. But I love that you guys love it. You took it in. We absolutely. You gave it a home. Well, it, there's a lot of good stories here. Um, I love the fact that Sparky is a mechanic. You've actually gone up through the ranks. Now you're laying your hands on these lovely rare bikes. I love the fact that you are carrying on your husband's legacy by allowing the public to see these incredible bikes and the commission builds. So there's a lot of great stories here. So how can people find out more uh, about We have HaasMotorMuseum.com. It's H-A-A-S, though. Most people don't get that, H-A-A-S. And no, we're not affiliated with Formula One. Okay. But, <laughs> yeah, so that or Instagram, which is the same, Museum. So I think this is a road trip destination. Definitely. I we I can't think, wait to welcome you. No, I think it's going to be an absolutely fantastic road trip. What a collection. Leaving Tracks. You need to watch the documentary Leaving Tracks before you come, because then you'll get the history of Bobby Haas. Okay, so where can we find Leaving Tracks? Leaving Tracks is on... YouTube, four Apple platforms. TV. I have yeah, a QR code I'll share with y'all. Okay, appreciate it. Yes, please. Just download it. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you and welcome to the Quail. Thanks for bringing it out. Yeah, this is your first year here, isn't yes. it? It is. What are, what are your thoughts of the event? Oh, it, we love it. I mean, Rob Talbot's a dear friend, and so we came out here to see him as well. Right. And Max Hazen, of course, is here, who's been right. here many years, and, and he's a dear friend of ours also. So we've always wondered about it. It's unfortunate Bobby's not here with us, but... We feel but him as, here. as you've he's already said, he's he's here. Here. he is here. He's here. I feel it. He's right in yeah. my pocket. Awesome. Thank well, thank you very much. Thank okay. you so much. Thank it was you. a lovely interview. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Hey, Liza here, and I'm uh, walking through the quail, and I, I I heard a bike. I heard it first. I'm like, well, that that sounds like an electric, but not quite. It also, I'm like, is that a jet-powered bike? I had to come see. So I'm here with the, the builder, Taurus, uh, from, you're from New York, by way of... Sweden, Scandinavia. Sweden. There we are. And tell us what you've built. This bike is called the Tarform. Explain this to me. Yes, yeah, so as you can see, it's fully electric. And um, I spent most of my time building vintage bikes, vintage classics, oh. Triumphs, BSAs. And then my day job was in technology. So about six years ago... The thought was basically, why hasn't anyone done the Tesla motorcycles? So, yeah, yeah. you know, the world is moving towards electrical vehicles, but there was nothing out there that I felt captured the sort of the classic essence of a British bike, but do it through the lens of technology and sustainability. So, It's classic, it's modern, it's sleek. Thank you. I think sleek is the first word that comes to mind. That's the brief. Uh, it's, it doesn't look like anything else out there, but it has nice curves and lines to it, which is also really nice. But let's talk a bit about um, so the, the motor and the, the battery. What size battery you got in here? It's 11.2 kilowatt hour battery, okay. so about a 100 mile range. Yeah, yeah, so that's charge. fine. And it's not a hub motor. It's, yeah, so, okay, it's got nice components on it, yes. bolins, forks. and Good brakes, and also... Brakes. Uh, the bodywork is hand-shaped aluminum, so we wow. want to kind of stay true to the custom heritage. Wow. Yep. Antique welded, <laughs> you know, a, a walnut buck. And then it took us about two years to develop a plant-based composite. So what? this material that you see on the side is made out of flaxseed stuff. But it looks like a fiber. carbon fiber. Yes. And the color is actually not a color, it's algae. So we take algae carbon, infuse it into bioresin, 
and make a fully biodegradable part. Um, okay, now you're getting way too too advanced, but it appears like a like almost like a phantom black or something. It's yes. like doesn't really reflect a lot. It's not doesn't look painted. You want to make it natural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a lot of nature is reflective, so it's more satin. And uh, the entire aesthetics of the bike is designed by the Fibonacci sequence, which is (laughs) how pineapple leaves grows and the galaxies form. So it's the same curve that's being repeated throughout the entire bike. So one of the things we always make fun of on electric bikes is the sound. They don't sound cool. Usually what you're hearing, besides the rubber on the road, which one thing I like is you can hear the different road conditions in the tires, but you hear a belt, and it makes this kind of sound that sounds weird. Can you run this? I want to record this sound because it's unique for an electric. Yes. Let's hear it. Do you want to hear it in cheetah mode? Let's let's bring it up. Let's see. Okay, blast off. That's what it sounds like. So now here's my question to you. Electric bikes shouldn't sound like that. Was this sound engineered? Uh, Partially, yes. So uh, the motor produces a natural hum, which is, in my opinion, not very pleasant, and it's too quiet. So first time I tried an electric bike years ago, it was a zero bike, and I felt you're not connected to the machine. There was something fundamentally missing. But at the same time, we didn't want to create a digital sound that gives an electric bike a presence. So after a couple of uh, months of just doing research, um, I figured out, well, what if we extract the natural hum of the motor, but do it in a natural way? So we work with an audio composer, which is a genius, and then he basically comes back and says, why don't we turn it into an instrument? I'm like, well, what do you mean? Well, how does an electric guitar work? You're amplifying it. You amplify it. So we've developed a system that amplifies the sound of the motor and then there's an acoustic resonator inside of the bodywork okay so that, that basically makes it louder that that's what i'm curious about okay all right we can go back in time to old phonographs that yes. simply just had a, a horn that just captured the sound and, and sent it out but you can go to modern days when you use electricity to amplify it so is this Correct. using the electricity to amplify it or yes. is it natural resonance? same principle okay. it is it, it's picking up a certain spectrum of the electromagnetic waves from the motor and then makes it louder essentially. And then we apply some secret sauce to make it feel uh, more mo- uh, modulated. It uh, gives it this sort of grittiness to it. So it's not just a static blender. So can you tune it? You can, yeah. Interesting. But not like the owner of the bike couldn't tune it with like a dial. He could do it with a mobile app that's we're developing. Oh, so you basically is... can give the bike its own sound. I have to say, this it's kind of exciting. It brings a new element to the electric bikes that's been missing. Yes. And even though it sounds like, well, but it's just the sound. But look, we we know with all these bikes, yeah. it, the sound means a yes. lot. I mean, there's a lot of people revving their engines because you're like, ooh, yeah. Yeah, I like that sound. Yeah, yeah. How, and how did you test to get the right Oh, we resonance? went through so many different, uh, a lot of it was just simply feel. And like, this is what... We want it to sound like, but also we went through Star Wars, Blade Runner, <laughs> the sounds of like, what do people think of the sound of the future? Yeah, right? and just sampled and then try to find 
kind of a uh, a sound mood board of what uh, what the electric bikes should sound like. Wow! Oh, the, there we go. The wind's picking wind. up. There we go. Here we go. That's not us. <laughs> so, where can somebody find out more about this bike, Tarform? Uh, our website, so tarform.com, or our Instagram, Tarform. See, and there, someone else wants to start their bike up exactly. here, and that's why I think it's interesting. You're the only electric bike that is showing off the sound. I think we're the only electric bike here in, uh, in an ocean of... No, uh, there's zero. Zero yeah. is here. Zero they have some cool. custom zeros here, yeah. Oh, nice. i got to go and check it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. Tarform.com. So yes. And they are for sale. They're for sale. We delivered our 20th bike Congratulations. just a few days ago. And uh, the idea is to get into production next year and the scale. Nice. Well, thank you very much. Thanks so much. Holy shit, fuck yeah, let's do it. <laughs> so here we are, Naked Jim, here at the Quail Motorcycle Gathering once again. And here with Keith, one of the builders here. I guess, are you officially in the chopper category? Yes, I am. Okay, you should be in the still-making category, I think, but I <laughs> well, say only in jest. Well, you know that, or they call it a cappuccino machine, and some kid last week called it a pressure washer. <laughs> there you go, the pressure-washing cappuccino, pressure cappuccino machine. And I agree with you, Jim. It's hard to know exactly the category. Yes. This is probably the most unique bike here at the Quail. I would agree. And all joking aside, this thing is like this engineering masterpiece. So to describe it, I'll do my best. So it's a stretched-out a stretched out low-rider kind of bike thing. It's got a, a vintage, we'll say, Honda CB... 550. 550 motor in it. Yep. Um, it is loaded with coils of what looks like copper. It's got a seat from 1934 John Deere <laughs> Fieldmaster. Um, there seems to be a castle nut fetish about the bike. Yep. <laughs> and uh, there's a big giant fuck you shifter. But that's just the beginning of how to describe it. And this. did you see the side cover on the other side? Not yet. Okay, so this goes with the side cover. Okay. And you'll figure that out when you get there. Before we get to that, Keith, how would you describe your build? This is, I, I think it's industrial art. It's, oh, and it's not steampunk. Um, that's old. But I wanted this to be that you can see everything mechanically. Uh-huh. You know, all the newer stuff is now covered with plastics and shrouds. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the copper, nobody does nothing with copper. Everything's chromed. So is this is this c- copper? Yes, it's all 100% copper. Wow. So all okay. these, these are all brazed copper. Wow. Not silicon bronze. So he's describing welds along, we'll call the, the backbone or the, the center of the frame in between where the tank is. Which, which are big, chunky welds that add to this whole industrial yeah. feel. Yeah. There's, no, there's no dime weld on there. The dime, the dime-shaped welds that are perfect yes. welds. Uh-huh. This is big, they're sloppy. They're yeah. messy, and that's the part of the look I was looking for. Yeah, and you and you see them, the theme kind of throughout the bike. Yes. So I, I have a question. Yeah. I'm curious. Uh, how much of this bike, what percentage can you buy at Home Depot? The handlebars. <laughs> that's how I got at Home Depot. And that, that, right? was, that was a pure mistake. I walked in with some, there's handlebar material under here, uh-huh. and I wanted them copper, and they, I walked in, and they slid right over that, that handlebar material. Isn't that awesome? So where, where, where did the idea come from? What was the vision? Did you wake up in the middle of a cold sweat one night and say, I'm going to build the holy shit chopper? Or No, I actually built two other bicycles first. And my first oh. bicycle was a mountain bike that I okay. cut up and completely chopped apart and then lowered and stretched and welded back together. Right. And then the second bike, another mountain bike, I did the same thing, but it kind of looks like this. 
Yeah, yeah. And then when I got that down, I'm thinking, well, what the hell? Let's just go crazy. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and it's brilliant. I mean, I think industrial art is, is a great description of it. Um, it also has pneumatic lift to it, right? right. So yeah. it'll, it'll go up and down, what, like about four inches or so? Yeah, it goes about six inches. It's, yeah. right? It, bomber. And um, I have a question. So just looking at this frame, it's a huge frame. Right. Um, and this girder frame, drilled girder, like just to make this this back backbone here. How did you make this? Is this CNC? No, all this is done by hand. I have a, wow. I have a drill press, um, and I use grinders. I do have a plasma cutter, which I didn't like because I couldn't make the arch. It, it, it was too uh, fine. So I okay, used a, okay. a grinder to cut this piece out right here. Uh-huh. And then this is just inch and a half flat bar that I welded on top and bottom. Wow. Uh-huh. And then I drilled out all, there's 550 holes drilled in this, in this frame. So it's a Honda 550 with 550 holes drilled in the frame and so in the forks. you did that on purpose? Yeah. And what? there's seven holes right through the gas tank. What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my this, gosh. Just, just this backbone is like five-foot-long curved yeah. girder. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Actually, this, this piece of steel right here, uh, it was six feet long when I got it. It was, it was a piece of plate steel, four feet high and six feet long, and I cut this out of that. So aside from the 550 engine, what other stock items were off that bike that are still on on this? Nothing. <laughs> oh, oh, right, the starter. The starter. Look. <laughs> oh, there it is. That's it. It's that's now that, that's mounted above the motor, the starter switch from the handlebar. handlebar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But other than that, um, it's just just the motor is the only only thing left. The the other thing caught our attention was the headlight. Yep. So how did that come about? Okay, this headlight right here was my wife. Reading lamp. <laughs> I knew okay. it was something like that, right? Um, I was going to say soap dish, but... Huh? I was going to say soap dish, but... It's hard to tell. We're divorced, but I got the lamp. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. Yeah. It looks great. So what's the light in the front? Then? Is this, this is all of it? It's the actual light itself? No, this is actually a motorcycle headlight that I got on eBay or something. And this, this actually light. flashes an LED and... Um, but and then, and then if you can see all this stuff, all, all this, there's only four bolts in this whole bike. Everything else is set screws with castle nut here uh, and a castle nut here. So all these, so all over the bike, there's castle nuts, yeah. and they look ornamental. But what you're saying, all these castle nuts are, are functional. Real. This they're, is like a one and a half castle nut. Look at that. Yeah, they're 100 percent oh. real. This is an inch and a half castle nut. Feel that? Yeah, inch and a half castle nut. Get wow. out. They just texture it with. With, with copper, the, so the I copper. melted I melted copper on top of all the nuts. Look at that! That is brilliant, brilliant. So here, wow! And oh, look at this four in one exhaust. So yeah, so, and now this is the oh, four yeah. in one, and I I didn't want to like have long exhaust, so I just popped it out the front in front of the bike. Comes out the front like an elephant trunk up in That's the air. That's the California emission standard. Yep. Oh yeah, that, sure. That looks brilliant. And then on top of that, I put a flamethrower. Is that what that is? What? I saw that. I'm like, what in the world? And so this big tank up front that makes it look like a still, this is for that's, your air system, that's yeah? That's my air system, yeah. So ah. in behind there, there's the air compressor and then the air oh, system. Oh, yeah, look at that. But it's the use of all the, the copper tubing in all these coils right. that give it that, looks like a still, looks like, like this industrial still. look. Right. So they're all functional. Exactly. But you hide them in plain sight yep. as art. Yep. Fascinating. How about the wheels? Okay, what the, are these the, from? The front and back wheels are motorcycle wheels. You can buy those on, on eBay. Um, is that back wheel like a 280? What is that? Yeah, something like that. So yeah. it's a 10 and a half inch, uh, 18 inch wheel with 10 and a half inches wide. 
and then I just found some of the front tire. The front tire is a 21-inch rim with an antique shark tire. <laughs> and then the rear wheel is just a, a mud tire that can't top of 4x4. Thank you for having me. It just wow. gives it that big, fat, gnarly look. And, and, and even though it's, it's a smaller engine than, like, a standard chopper, it's got a good throaty sound to it. Yes. It sounds yes. good. You want to hear it? Can they, can they hear it? Yeah, yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. you mind if I sit on Nice. And then there's something that you'd like great. to... You, I, we're sitting here watching you invite all yeah. these people to come sit on it. Oh, yeah. And then you love to play the same joke over and over and the over. The what? The same prank over oh, and yeah. over and over. The air whistle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just so describe what this is. Okay, so this is a uh, air valve for a, a whistle. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine made this top piece, which is an air whistle. Mm-hmm. And I got this long copper handle with a devil head on it. <laughs> and I always just tell people to grab the devil. And then here we go. Oh, wow. And it's supposed to scare the devil out of you. It does. It does. We're even watching people jump. Yeah. And uh, I like the the pieces that you've recycled to use for just making, like, the rear fender mount, the cranks. Yep. These are yep, uh, piston rods right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, connecting rods. Yeah, 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 connecting rods. Yep. What other found pieces are on here? we got connecting rods down here. Um, oh, for the pedals. Foot pegs. Yeah, this is out of a out of a Harley Davidson. This is the, the the connecting rods to the Harley that I just pulled it out and made the shifter out of it. Um, if you come on this side, we've got bicycle chain gears and bicycle chain <laughs> that operates the the rear brake. It Look goes back goes back to oh, the master cylinder. Cool. Um, other than that, that is everything great. is and a garden bad. valve. And the garden valve. Yeah, these are actually a pet, it's a pet cock that looks like a garden valve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. Wow. Well, Jim, are you, you going to sit on it? Yeah. Can you mind if I sit oh, on it? Hell yeah. Go I'm ahead. Oh, heck yeah. And then oh, yeah. Gotta, we didn't. You got to mention the back fender. Exactly. So like, Holy shit. So it, it was it was hand stamped in there in, in the copper fender. It looks like an old road sign that was just curved exactly. to the wheel. Exactly. And again, the castle nuts is fasteners. Yeah. Right? So like I said, there's no, there's only like four yeah. bolts. Everything yeah. is set screws and castle, castle nut here, yeah. you know, and castle nuts on the backside. Yeah. Oh, it's great. But you got to take my picture, though. All right, hold on. All right. All right. Let's see. Oh, cool. Thank you. I think it was really cool. All right, you got to get on there. Oh. All right, got to take his picture. Oh, Jim, you're stretched out. Nice. How does that feel? Oh, jeez. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, it looks pretty cool. Yeah, let's do it. Oops, went the wrong way. Okay. Well, there you go. This is just an example of the crazy stuff here. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Um, um, oh, here you gotta look at the, you gotta look at the side oh, cover. Like, the oh my gosh! Yeah. It's an iris. The Georgia O'Keeffe um, painting. The Georgia O'Keeffe painting. Um, so what? You won an award. We saw. What award did you take? I won the, today? the Arlen Ness Award. Oh, that's nice. Because it, it, I guess it's um, uh, what Arlen Ness would be, what he would have liked. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I I'm, I'm just a... completely thrilled and overwhelmed. And um, yeah, quite the honor. Yeah. And and so, lastly, where can people find out more about? 
what kind of stuff you make? Do you, you can look on Instagram. Okay. Look under uh, Brookdale Bad Boy. Are you out of Brookdale? <laughs> yep. Oh, I'm, I'm right next to the Brookdale Lodge. Oh, no wow. kidding. Yeah. I hear they got good music on the weekends they now. They do. They have awesome music. Is it true it's haunted? The what? Is it true it's haunted? They say That's what they say. Right. There's a lot of crazy stories about that place, but yeah. Oh, I'm sure. All right. Brookdale Badass? Brookdale Bad Boy. I can like hear Brookdale like Bad Boy. Go like this. Go like this. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Here, All can right. you find it? Got it. Yeah, that's me. All right. Right on, man. Thank you so much. All right, hey, this is John, uh, Stumpy John, <laughs> and I'm here with uh, Ernest, the owner of Combat Motorcycles. Yeah. And uh, I was really impressed as I walked around the Quail today and, and saw this. It really popped out to me. A lot of unique design features, a lot of really special things going on here. So let's talk Thanks. a little bit about it. But, but begin, let's talk about sort of the history and the DNA of, sure of these thing. bikes. Before you do that real quick, I just wanted to say... You chose this bike, yeah, and and I was like, I, I saw that bike. Yeah. It was at the one show, right. which is a perfect fit, and it's interesting. These are two completely different shows, yes. but this bike fits into both. It does, it does. and that's what's interesting. Yep. It's a very fascinating bike. Let's so let's get into it. Yeah. So, the the brand Confederate Motorcycles, the old brand, um, had been around since the since the mid nineties, mm-hmm. yeah. and um, I. I came in as a customer first in 2017, and then the Confederate brand came up for sale, and I bought it with all the design for all these cool bikes, and I rebranded to Combat Motors. Um, I brought in all the old staff that were with the old company, right? and um, so I have Jay Etheridge who sells the bikes, and also, I, I call him my buy-sell guy, so he buys all the parts to buy to build the bikes, and he sells the bikes, and then I have... I was going to say that makes sense. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. We were just saying the DNA from Confederate. Yeah. yeah. So there is, he, is here. You he's can see the it. old. He worked for the company for ten years, and Jason Reddick, who worked for the company for fourteen years building the bikes, he works for us. Yep. And so that's the DNA, but it's now Combat Motors. I'm retired Army, and so and Jason was private previously in the Air Force working on fighter jets. Right. So it kind of makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And so we have this um, this bike, the uh, the fighter that you see behind you was the was the bike that we had when I when I bought the company, and then the wraith is the one that I had my hand in designing, and so we got to design this bike and design um, that backbone, that curved backbone, and with the dual controls, and so it has both forwards and rear controls. That's really cool. I love that. That was something I noticed yeah. at the one show. I'm like, yeah. whoa. Okay, yeah. so you got. Rear sets and forward controls both operational, and I had to get in there and look yeah. and see how they're linked. And you got yeah, just the linkage it's, on the it's shifter. It's so obvious. I'm I've been beating myself up trying to find someone who could show me where it had been done before. Right. Yeah. No one has. No, I couldn't see it before. I, anyone that, that that you talk to, if if they know where it had been done before, I'd love to hear about it because it was a Photoshop mistake for me. Huh. I had <laughs> I had different layers for rear, mid, or forward controls. Right. And I left the forward and the rears on in the layer, and I went, oh, why not? That's exactly, that works. Yeah. You're you're right. And on the brake side, yeah, linked brakes that are hydraulic, that makes sense. They're hydraulic. You can run them in series. Easy. But then I was like, wait a minute. You just have a linkage between these two. It's a simple solution. Why isn't anyone doing it? That's right. Can I ask you, John, Mm -hmm. to describe visually what this bike looked like to you as you walked up on it? Well, 
the first thing that sticks out is the front end, which is a very, you know, it's more of a cantilever front end um, with a Springer uh, single shock in the front. Um, but it's really a major design feature that, that caught my eye immediately. The second thing, obviously, is the gas tank. Um, it's, I'm, I'm assuming it's in the frame, but there's a, there's a spot where you can see. So why don't you tell us a little bit yes. about like the front end specifically and the, and the gas tank? So the front end is a cantilever front end. It's not original. There have been other bikes sure. with that front end, but it's, it's anti-dive. So when you when you front brake when you brake a, a bike, the the front will dive on right. a traditional fork. Well, with this cantilever front end, the whole bike squats as it brakes. So the whole bike comes down nice and even, keeping your rubber to the road, which is important for your stop. Right. And then the fuel tank in the back. That's four and a half gallons of fuel, and um, it's it's very visual. We have a fuel pump down below, but the fuel comes all the way up to the top of the neck on the top of the bike and all the way down into the fuselage. So what I'm looking at here for the, for the listeners is I'm looking at a fuel tank that's under the seat with a glass, yeah, sight like, glass like in front. Bowl. Yeah, so you can actually see the, the fuel from there. It's a very unique design feature that's, cool. that's really cool. And explain this backbone because we need to describe this. Right. So this is all CNC aluminum. So it's 6061 aircraft grade aluminum. It's um, over 2,000 hours of CNC time going to each bike. And the backbone, this curved backbone, is reminiscent of the original Confederate Wraith mm-hmm. that was built between in around 2009. They did a they did a back. So everything's like it's all stress member, right? It is. It's all a stress member. The engine is a stress stress member. Okay. It's it, rigid mounted. To try and describe this this backbone of the frame, it's almost like a I'm going to say oval tubing, about maybe 14 inches wide. Yep. That's Something about like right. that, right? Yep. But all CNC'd, and then CNC'd. and then like both have CNC'd and welded together. I mean, it's really industrial and beefy. Yeah, it's it's industrial, but it's also clean at the same time, which is interesting. Yeah, I like I like the uh, yeah, LED that, lights. Your turn signals are on the front blade, so your front your front suspension has that blade on the front, which is reminiscent of the original rate that it was a, had a blade front like that. And then you have your turn signals up top, and you have driving lights in the bottom which are actually functional. The headlight comes in at about 10 feet in front of you, and that those bottom driving lights fill in that space with light. Right, very cool. Can we talk about these, sure. these dual-disc uh, so rotors? Quad-disc quad rotors. Quad disc. So yeah. these are front brakes. They're quad-disc, two on each side. That's right. So there's a pad on the inside and two on the outside, and the discs actually float. Oh. And they squeeze oh, wow. in on themselves. Very cool. So is this for increased braking? It is. So so this these small little discs like that are the same as those big discs you see on that Hellcat over there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the same stopping power and without filling in all that space that you have. All right, yeah. So just to explain again, so it's a discs on both sides and it's dual discs about an inch apart. That's right. With a caliper uh, straddling each dual disc set with another pad in the middle. Uh, that's crazy. That's right. Wow. That's, right. It, that's the thing. This is an audio show. Yeah, it's hard to explain. And it's hard. Yeah. To, you have to, like, try and explain yeah. this bike because it's so unique. What, what else, John, what else caught your eye on this? Well, I mean, that's the brakes. Uh, Jay was telling me the brakes are aircraft. They are. Yeah. So they're modeled after aircraft brakes. Yeah. Made by Behringer. Okay. Um, you know, the rear end, carbon fiber, beautiful. Yep. Um, you know, the wraparound is, uh, you know, for the plate, is, yep. is uh, everything's just beautiful, and it's a, it's a all unique uh, styles. Thank you. So, um, 
The shock is mounted uniquely. So tell us about the rear shock and so how that works. The rear shock is, is the same shock as in the front. It's a race tech suspension. So it's fully adjustable. Mm -hmm. And this rear this rear shock is kind of interesting. It's cantilevered. The same as, see the cantilever here comes down to here, down to there. So if you watch when this shock actually compresses, oh, yeah. you can see how it works. Interesting. Wow. And so just, just to, sorry, ahead. the rear swing arm, this is what, one and a half inch tubing? That's one and a quarter C tubing? Yeah, that's all CNC. But that, it's thick. It it's, is. It this is, is all beefy. Thin. But so it, it is thick, but it's it's got relief on the inside, so it's it's all it's all honed out right. on the inside to make it light. Otherwise, it would bend under its own weight. Yeah. Well, um, so let's talk about the engine a little bit. Sure. S and S. It's an S and S one thirty two. So one hundred thirty two cubic inch is twenty one hundred sixty three cc's. We get about one hundred and forty foot pounds of torque to the rear wheel. Wow. Okay. And anti lock brakes doesn't have analog brakes no yeah. we we don't have that on this model um it just wasn't we only built 12 of these okay. so it wasn't economically feasible to do analog brakes on it so the, the other thing that makes this really unique and john if you look over on this side it's i call it the windows yeah there's windows to oh, the gears to the air cleaner to the gas tank that's right i love this windows to the sole of the motorcycle <laughs> so you have the mechanical down the bottom you have your air box up top, and you have your fuel in the back. Now, how hard is it to put windows in everything and make it all and keep them tight? Clean. Yeah, it's it's not that hard at all. This has a, this has graphite, and so the worst thing is that I have to pull that off and and clean the graphite off the inside of it. All right. Um, this window doesn't get dirty at all, and that that dirt definitely doesn't get dirty with the fuel. This thing, and, and this is not the only bike. We're looking at different models. Here, is this an older? So this is an older bike. This is a Hellcat mm -hmm. that was built by the company in 2000. This is the prototype okay. of the Hellcat that was built in 2012. And we have this here because this was a trade-in that we've, we've taken in five times over the last five years. <laughs> I've taken this trade-in in. Um, it's, it's set up kind of like a race bike. So people get it, and they're just not... They're not used to a race bike. They want something they can cruise around in. And then we offer a kind of a unique trade-in program. So I, I try to get people maximized value on a trade-in. And so I will give them what they paid for their bike many times really? towards a new bike. Wow. And so that's just important to me yep. to be able to do that, both for the customers and for the brand. Yeah, that's awesome. How many, uh, mon like, so you did 15 of these, you said? We did we did 13 of these. So you got to do so more? Far. We're going to do two more okay. for a total of 15. And then, um, and then we'll move on to the new Hellcat, which is in design right now. The new Hellcat will be uh, a $60,000 motorcycle. Oh, if I if I have to beat somebody over the head to get there, and that's what we're going to so do. There's the Confederate uh, DNA again coming back. <laughs> the, the, the Hellcat. The Hellcat. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. going to be a combat yeah, Hellcat. That is awesome. That's right. So, John, how much would you would you guess that this sells for? Well, I already asked Jay, so I already know. <laughs> <laughs> So this goes for 155 and 165 as she sits with the with the anodized aluminum. This is yeah, this is a, a beautiful bike, a lot of design and engineering. And I'm curious what style 
do you call this? Because we've come up with a new phrase I think fits. I want to see what you call it. Well, I, I say it's a crossover. I'd say it's, it's really a crossover. It's one of those things. So the, I tell interesting stories. So I ride these bikes like crazy. Yeah. And so I can ride up to a bike show in Daytona mm-hmm. and have people with Harleys and Indians and, and your metric bikes all come in and agree that that's a really cool bike. Yep, yep. And now this is a bike that actually brings people together, mm-hmm. and, and they can all agree that it's a really cool bike. So what did you come up with? Muscle Cafe. Muscle Cafe. Yeah, that's about right. Right? Yeah, it is about Why right. Why does no one use yep. that? We've yeah. started using that. Yep. That's a Muscle Cafe. But it, you're like, it certainly you're is. right. Yep. You're right. Well, really cool bike, and it's great to know that you know they're the, the Confederates... I know they took a left turn to become Curtis, but yep. you kind of continued the path. I did. And I think also it may answer that question, uh, you know, how do you make a million dollars in motorcycles? Yeah, you spend five million. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this is a labor <laughs> level, right? Exactly right. Start uh, with it five, is. Yeah. So, so it was originally a, a hobby project, I, I admit. But um, when I brought the guys over from, from what was Confederate, that it became a business. And it became a business that had to make money. And we turn a profit every year. Oh, that's great. And yeah, so, well, they were skilled, uh, you know, technicians. Yeah. That you got a good team. Yep. They have well, a cool. great team. That's, that's what's important. Now, so, do you have another question? Uh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, so if people want to learn that's more exactly about That's exactly what I was going to say. Yep. <laughs> Take us out, John. Yeah, so if people want to get a hold of you or, hold, yep. or see the motorcycles, where do they do? So they can call 8555-COMBAT, and that's 8555-COMBAT. All right. Or they can they can send an email over to j at combat.net. Is there a website too? There is combat combatmotors.com and Instagram and all the and socials. Instagram and Facebook and everything else. Great. And is it true you give a discount? We do. We give a military and first responder discount. That's so great. I'm I'm retired military. I'm retired Army infantry, and so we give a ten percent military and first responder discount. Excellent. That's awesome. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks for yeah, your service. Thanks. Too. Nice meeting you. Yeah, well, there you go. There, that there is a wrap for us. Wow, three Another, weekends in a row. I was going to say the quails in the bag. The one oh, show, I see what you did the there. one motor show is in the bag, and the rallies in the bag. Time for us to get in the bag. Oh God, <laughs> honestly, I I need a break. Well. I also uh, got all of the shirts shipped out, all of our Patreon reward shirts. I've been seeing pictures popping up. Send us your pictures of your shirt. You wearing it. I'd like to share them on our social media. And that now means that they are available for sale. If you're not a Patreon supporter, that's okay. You can get a shirt too. Go to MotorcyclesAndMisfits.com. Click on the shop and if the size is available, then it is still available. These are limited edition. I do a different shirt every year. And this one I call the blue. Yeah, racer. nice blue. Lovely color. So yeah. I think at some stage that was an ad. I mean, very, very old 1930s yes. ad for like a tires for a Firestone tire because the design is superb. It is a vintage bike. And the tread on the front tire features very, very prominently. Uh, it's an absolutely right. wonderful design. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, what a great day. Yes. <sighs> Till next weekend. We- I, know, I need to go back to work and take a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're making me laugh. And um, just, and it's not to any person because I've spoken, over the last three weeks I've spoken 
to so many. I've been doing this now since um, 2016, which is seven years. And I have never gotten over the excitement of a stranger coming up to me and saying, you're Miss Emma. I think it is just the greatest thing in the world. And it it always puts a smile on my face. And thank you. Do you do you remember what I told you years ago? No. You don't remember? I'm like, stick with me, kid. I'll make you a star. Well, you know, <laughs> no, I'm I'm far I'm far from being a star, but for just for people. No, but you're larger than life, and people really appreciate. That. Well, you know, it. Yeah, we. Um, um, we, you and you and me, Liza, are as different as we are. I mean, we share a commonality that we've really devoted our lives to these things, mm-hmm. um, motorcycles, and I hope that passion comes through in how we present ourselves and how we present the podcast. And yes, I am larger than life, um, and that's very, very deliberate. But for anybody in the past two or three weeks who has come up to me and said. You are Miss Emma. And I'm like, yeah, you absolutely made my day. Thank you. And I don't think I'll ever tire of it. I think it is just the greatest thing in the world. So, yeah, if you're planning your trips, come on out to the garage. Come and hang out. People, yeah, it's brilliant. People say, can I, you come? Anyone can come. Just show up. Well, no, if you're a mean, grouchy person, you can't come. No, Actually, then, well, no, you can. No, then come, we just, but we will taunt you. <laughs> yeah, we, we will, will taunt you. We, we will fart ta- in your general direction. We'll bring out the large toys. Yes, oh, and yes, we, the toys will make an appearance. Yeah, and we will accuse your we your, will, your mother of being a hamster and your father of smelling of elderberries. <laughs> As we blackmail you with pictures of you in a gimp mask. <laughs> <laughs> no, everyone is welcome. Um, just come on down. We had visitors from Germany today. Yeah. Yeah. All over. Simon. Minnesota. Yeah. Minnesota. All the, all the places. No, come on down. It's a good scene. You're going to have a great time. Um, and um, yes. Yeah, actually, one of the guys who came, he's my friend Carol from Chickstan, her neighbor. It's like, oh. what a small world. What a small world. Um, and then lastly, how are your trips? Are they filled up? I, Funnily enough, I have, um, I believe Vietnam is full. Castles and curves are full. I have two spots left on the Dolomites training tour. Two spots left. Sign up for it. It's going to be great. Um, it's already a big trip. It's 19. Well, last year it was 21. Wow. Um, but you guys broke off into groups. Yeah, we yeah. we break off into groups based on, um, based on riding ability and riding style. Um uh, if you are thinking about it, now is your opportunity. Um, just sign up for it. Get yourself a flight. The tour itself, uh, what did we say? It was three and a half thousand bucks, which is, I mean, you know, it's certainly not a high-end expensive tour, but the accommodation is very, very high-end. The breakfast is very high-end. The bikes are very high-end. Um, the flight, you may get a bargain, from San Francisco round trip, I think I want to pay. I paid under two grand. Oh, it should be a lot less than that. Well, you know, I left it kind of late. Had I thought ahead, 
Um, but I only fly Lufthansa, darling. Oh, yeah, it should be a lot less than that. I pay like a grand to go to Pakistan. Oh, funnily enough, Pakistan, Vietnam is cheap and Pakistan is cheap. Europe mm. is quite pricey, I think you will find. I think I, it cost me about as much to go to London as it does to go to Cleveland. Yeah, that's about <laughs> I know. Well, and uh, I just wanted to throw out, hey, ladies, if you are interested in going to Pakistan, there is a Chikistan trip this year in September. I will not be on it, but that's okay. Moin's going to be there. Who's going to lead that trip? Uh, Moin is. He's not a chick. Yes. He's got the hair to prove it. I suppose he is. He's got he's, long hair. Yeah, he's, he's, he just transcends all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, he's beyond gender. Yes. Moin um, is Moin. Is Moin. Moin the genderless. So if you are interested <laughs> I'm in I'm sorry, going... Moin, I, I take that back. <laughs> no, I, no, I think, no, I think he don't know. In the sense that he transcends such trivial matters. Uh, he, he, Moin transcends earthly things. Yes, all thank right. you for saving me. Hey, ladies, if you are interested in going to Pakistan uh, this year in September... Go visit a differentagenda.com and when you click on tours, look for Chickistan. And there's a few women already signed up, but there's more spots open. And I mean, I, you can I really cannot, recommend this I trip. I cannot recommend it enough. It's my favorite place in the world to go. And it's going to be going to the Kalosh Valley and uh, the Kalosh people. Jim was looking it up today. It's really cool. This is not like anything you'd expect to find in Pakistan. These are not Muslim people. It's like a tribe of people who are descendants of Alexander the Great living up in the mountains. It's really bizarre. Yeah, more fair-skinned, blue eyes. Mm-hmm. With ornate, decorated outfits that the women wear and these little hats. It's, it's bizarre. It's so cool to visit these like wow. lost tribes kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, a differentagenda.com. I think we're ready to wrap it up. What do you guys think? Whew. Take a break. Yes. We, we get some time off, and then we're going to be, July is going to be. Go, big. go, mm-hmm. go. Heck yeah. Sign up for the Dolomites training tour. Do All it. right. Do Don't it forget now. to go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com. You can find pictures and our shop and all sorts of fun stuff there. And uh, Oh, and I got a lot of people who said they appreciated the Ranger interview from our. Rally yeah, that episode. was a good. He was a good cat. So if you haven't listened to that, go check that out. That was a popular one, yeah. Yeah. All right. I think it's time to get out of here. Thank you, everyone, especially our Patreon subscribers. You are awesome. Emma, you have a Asmus Emma to to. I do. And it's about my favorite subject, which is a little British bike. (laughs) There we go. So thank you, everybody. This is Liza. Oh, this is Emma, darling. Nick Jim, son. And we are out of here. Cool, 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 cool.